Local voices, local conversations. NapaBroadcasting.com. Thanks for joining us here on NapaBroadcasting.com as we turn our attention to the state of our young students in schools today, the pressures that they face, the responsibilities that they've taken on, and the impact that it's having on all of their social and psychological lives. We're going to talk about it in the context of several suicides that took place back in March in the Napa Valley Unified School District and a group that's come together to address some of these issues. It is my pleasure to be joined in the studio today by Michelle Farhat, Jenny Olson, and Linda Inlay. Thank you all for coming in. Thanks, Jeff. Thank for you. Having us. Linda, let me start with you. You're all part of uh, a group called uh, Village Napa. Tell us about the group. How did it come together and what's its mission? Um, it came together as a result of the two suicides. We were really upset, me and my colleagues here, and um, we decided that we needed to do something and we needed to come together as a community. So we started Village Napa, uh, Jenny Olson, Laura Masters, Harris Newsbaum, Michaela Eikenberry, uh, Carolina um, Mariposa, and then we joined with Michelle Farhat, who is the development director of Aldea, and their initiative, which is called Courage Village. So the two organizations um, have come together to kind of look at systemic change. We have four goals, and Jenny can share a little bit about those four goals. Jenny? Yes. Um, well, when Linda and I first started talking last spring about this epidemic and, um, and tra- the tragedies in Napa, we um, both felt that the most important step of this process, whatever we were going to create, was to hear from the teens themselves. We felt that uh, you know we could come up with all sorts of different ideas about how we could support our teens, how we could help them. But teens are the only ones who really understand what it's like to be a teen today. Um, and it's very different today than it was when we were teens. So we got together a group of eight students that all were together at River Middle School four years ago when I met Linda. Um, we worked with a group of teens um, in a club called Be the Change back then. And we just, we listened to them. We asked them questions. You know, what are your stresses? What are your con- concerns um, that you see in yourselves and in your peers? And they really opened up to us. And they had long lists of stresses um, and all admitted to being either anxious or depressed or struggling with uh, insecurities uh, and not really having many people to talk to, adults. Mm-hmm. Um, So then from there, we reached out to our community of adults to help develop our mission and our four main goals. Can I interject just something? Sure. One of the questions we asked these students, and these are all great kids from great families, um, and uh, we asked them on a scale of 1 to 10, what is your level of stress? And all of them said between 7 and 9. And I was very dismayed I don't think these are kids, and to be living with that level of stress is, to me, very unhealthy. Mm-hmm. So. What were some of the stressors that they specifically identified, Jenny? Um, they spoke about school, pressures of getting good grades, taking the most advanced classes, being the best in, on their sports teams, getting you know preparing for and getting into the right colleges, social stresses, pressures with, t- with peers, that sort of thing. So... We identified the, um, in order to create this community of support for teens, we identified four main areas we wanted to focus on, and they were to identify and address the sources of of stress in our teens, to develop a support system for our teens, 
number three, to develop a support system for the parents, and number four, to educate and engage the community to raise awareness and create systemic change. Linda, what's different today? You've been doing this for a while. I mean, many, many years ago, you were involved with the GATE program here. What's different for these kids today that's creating this additional stress? I think there's a, well, you know, and I don't know, but I have some guesses that that could be. I think there's a lot more emphasis on um, getting to college. Um, There's a lot more emphasis as a result of, you know, the no child left behind. I think teachers are feeling the stresses of being accountable for results. Um, Kids pick up that stress. And um, one student, uh, I saw at Trader Joe's a couple of weeks ago, she said, um, all of our teachers expect us to give 110%. And that includes the coaches. And so, you know, and these are good kids who want to, they like their teachers. So they want to, you know, kind of support their teachers in this effort. But it's that, I think. And then the other aspect, I think, is the social media that goes around and really, Um, just kind of exacerbates, I think, the kind of the talk that goes on between kids. Michelle, talk a little bit about that and how you see in your experience and from what you've seen with these kids, how the social media impacts it. Well, I think social media supports kids communicating more often. Um, And we used to have more downtime (laughs) when we were younger. So I think the constant connection to whether it's TV, video games, each other, um, it doesn't really uh, support uh, a balanced um, day for them. And I think they're, because that's their norm, it's really hard to change that with students. And so, um, you know, they're always studying that and trying to figure out what, what, what amount of social media is good and what amount is bad. But I think balance in anything is really what we're looking for um, for our students. Is the stress that we're seeing, Jenny, more among the kids that are are successful students, the kids that are doing well? Well, no, I think it's all across the board. We've seen it, you know, like Linda uh, mentioned, these kids that we met with are all from really healthy families. And something that we um, heard from them was, um, and I think that the social media speaks to this, is they've created, they've become these perfectionists at such a young age because they're not necessarily getting the pressures from one place. It's not just from their parents or just from the teachers or just from the coaches. That's all part of it. But they're also seeing what all their friends are doing and how wonderful their friends' lives are and they're comparing and competing with each other. So they place these levels on themselves as expectations that are unachievable. You know, they want to be the best at everything. And when you have that perfectionist attitude, I mean, we all know there's no such thing as a perfect life. And so... And then the other thing I think is... And I was reading this in the Time Magazine article or uh, issue on millennials and parent millennial um, parents. Um, they tend to really share the positive mm-hmm. aspects of what they're doing as parents. And I think kids do that, too. So there's this, all this information coming to them that says, well, this is how I should be because this is all a tweets or, you know, whatever messages coming through s- social media that says I'm supposed to be this or this way. The other thing I think is what I know about adolescents or all kids, actually all human beings, is this need to belong, this need to feel connected. Um, And I think kids are starved for connection, not necessarily through social media, which is very superficial, but real, honest connection. 
And since adolescents are moving away from their parents to get ready for adulthood, then I think it it is an opportunity for teachers in schools to connect with kids on a meaningful level other than, you know, I want to help you get into college. But who are you? What's going on for you today? And, you know, I notice you're a little bit down. So those kinds of meaningful connections, I think, really help ground the kids in relationships that really matter and feed them. What do we see in, in terms of, the, to, to follow on to that, the relationship between teens and their parents and how that clearly has some kind of nexus with the degree of stress that they're feeling? I'd like Jenny to speak to that because she is a parent of a high schooler. Yes, so one thing that we discovered in this focus group um, that I hadn't even ever crossed my mind because I know that these parents of these kids really care and are really involved in their kids' lives and I've known them most of them that were at my house, um, you know, for four plus years, is that um, they don't want to share their stresses, how, how dark it is, how hard it is, because they don't want to stress their parents out. And they feel like they're, they're almost protecting their parents from their own pain. And what happens is, they said, is they, because the parents get stressed out, it adds to their stress. Um, So it really, I was, at the end of the evening, I said, these kids are so isolated from anybody knowing what's going on with them. They're not connecting with their teachers in general and their parents. And so then what we heard was these physical symptoms they were having, heart racing, sweating, you know, heat underneath their skin, not being able to sleep, all these physical symptoms that were as a result of their stress and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about what we're finding mitigates this at all. What can help these kids? Well, what we're doing is what we think is going to help, which is education and awareness. So we are hoping by raising the literacy on mental health and suicide prevention that both for parents, um, they have a better response to their kids' needs. Um, I think some of the students talked about their parents having overreactions, so they wanted to avoid that, so they typically wouldn't share. And I think the more people can understand that uh, part of life is having ups and downs and learning coping skills. And some, sometimes it, it escalates to a higher level that needs more help, uh, but just knowing what to do when that happens. And I think we have more understanding about um, other parts of life. So I think if we can get the awareness out to the community and make people have a, a more comfort level with these conversations, um, I think you'll see that there's going to be more interaction, connection that's positive and healthy and real. Because I think Real life isn't what Facebook always shows, which is that everything is great, or Instagram, or wherever you might be. So I think we were talking about that, too, that life isn't always sunny, so we're not seeing all aspects. Linda, is there a role for more mental health professionals within the school system? I think the, um, I think the district, we met with uh, uh, three of the district representatives who are really working on this issue. Um, and it's wonderful that they have these wellness centers that are going to be uh, at each of the middle schools. Um, what's concerning is the numbers of students who are showing anxiety is such of a number that even these wellness centers are not capable of really responding to all those kids. So it's going to take all of us working. This is a very complex problem suicide and it's going to mean that we we have to engage the entire community and one of the most important things is we have to make it safe for people to talk about this parents are not sharing it because there's an embarrassment about it 
And there, and so our events that we're holding, the first one on September 29th called Parents Connect, is really a um, combination of a parent educator coming, Vicki Huffle, who's written books about parenting, and she's really going to be great for the parents. Uh, but the other piece is we're going to be doing a World Cafe where parents get to, instead of passively sitting there and listening to a speaker, they're going to share some of the concerns that they have, uh, what they need, so that we, we're not interested in just these events. We want to see a whole year of support for parents and kids. Mm-hmm. So, Talk a little bit about what programs you would like to see for the kids themselves. So we have another event in October, on October 13th, also at New Tech Cyber Cafe uh, from 6.30 to 8.30, and it's called Teens Connect. And so this one is very similar in format to the Parents Connect, but it's only for students. No parents are allowed. We have a few uh, young adults in their 20s coming to share their personal stories about their struggles in high school and how they overcame them. And then we're going to have a similar World Cafe-style interactive discussion with the kids so they can really share. We really want to capture more information like we captured at our very first focus group. What are the stresses? What are your supports? What do you need from the adults in your community? How early do these symptoms show up? Well, I have to share with you some distressing news. Uh, So, you know, I have in my um, research on a book I'm writing um, started to look at, you know, well-being of kids um, and found out that last year, Suicide was a third leading cause of death among adolescents. Uh, this year, it has risen to second. And the most distra- distressing part is for kids ages 10 to 14, that's fifth grade to ninth grade, uh, it has risen 100% since 2001. So I, I think there is, um, we, we need to really look at the environment of school, the messages coming to kids. We need to look at the environment of the whole and the messages coming to kids uh, and the messages coming from our community. And, you know, obviously it's societal too. I'm not sure we can do anything about that. But certainly at this local level, we can pull all the, all the stops, band together, and let the kids know that we're here for them. Is this another responsibility that we're placing on teachers to try and identify these kids as early as possible? Is that another another responsibility that teachers are going to have? Um, I, I think it's more just about being aware. Um, I think teachers um, do have a lot of responsibility, but I think uh, anybody that interacts with um, children, whether it's you know the police or students, hospitals, nurses, doctors, they, they all have uh, a little bit extra responsibility to be of help to those that are younger. So I think it's really giving them the awareness and education. And some of the conversations we had uh, with parents at Aldea is that they wanted to know how do we talk to our kids or uh, the teachers want to know how do we at least become more aware of these needs because they do want to help. Um, so they want to be able to uh, help identify, and then they want to know, well, what, what can I do? Where can I go? Mm-hmm. You know, what is out there? And just we're just trying to make that easier for people to identify and use. Is there a socioeconomic component in this? I It's a, all across. I mean, I work with the court and community schools and the same issues. I mean, they have many more challenges than maybe uh, the norm, uh, norm is in the district. 
but these issues of stress and anxiety exist in them. And the thing about the court and community schools is they've um, created, I was just watching some videos of, of uh, kids talking about how safe they feel at the court and community school because there's a sense of relationship and family and caring. And I think that mitigates some of the, the stresses in their lives and the, um, you know, the family situations that they don't have any control over. So when you, when you mentioned the whole thing about this is another burden to teachers, I think it's the message that has to come to teachers, because they're doing their very best, mm -hmm. is that you have to have a balanced approach to education. And it can't be just about test scores and making APs and blah, blah, blah. It needs to be, if you have kids that are healthy, then they are going to do well academically. And there's so much data now uh, from the uh, Collaborative for Academic Social Emotional Learning that verifies if you take care of the needs of kids, their capacity to retain information and do well and be happy at school is going to, it, they rise together. Jenny? So I just want to add to that, that, you know, our teachers are overloaded with things that they have to teach the kids, and the day is short, and they have a lot of kids they work with every day. And so we've, we're also developing a program. Um, we're meeting, you know, at the, at the Boys and Girls Club in Napa. Um, we started weekly mindfulness classes to teach teens tools, you know, whether it's art therapy or meditation or yoga. We're going to bring in some more experts to teach different tools that they can use to help manage their stress. In many ways, it's also tools that, that they're going to need for the rest of their lives, right, given absolutely. the pressures and stresses in the workplace today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We all need it. <laughs> <laughs> we all need it. One other thing that, um, that's becoming more and more, the research out there is um, pretty compelling, that the lack of sleep that teenagers are experiencing is not healthy and is really in, um, affecting their levels of uh, well-being. So, you know, the fact that Justin Siena, you know, uh, is starting late, um, I think the um, independent study of the district, they started late at 9 o'clock. I think that would be a piece. And I'm in com um, communication with Challenge Success coming out of Stanford after the Palo Alto um, suicides, and their research, this group is all about Madeline Levine, who wrote mm -hmm. Price of Privilege, uh, Denise Pope. Um, uh, they highly, and they're working with school districts and schools to lessen the stress and anxiety and depression of kids, and that is one of the pieces they really promote, is just starting school later. Or going to bed earlier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One or the other. There's some events coming up. You've, you've mentioned them briefly, but let's sort of bring them all together. Michelle, why don't you talk about uh, some of these events and when they are and how people can get more information. <clears throat> Actually, uh, we do have an event here at the college uh, Friday, September 23rd. So it's a half-day conference on uh, suicide prevention and mental health. Um, all these events can be found on Aldea's website, uh, aldeainc.org. Uh, and then the next event is the September 29th, so the speaker, Vicki Huffle, uh, New Tech High. Um, again, it's an interactive, so both a speaking engagement and then interaction with the uh, parents as far as being able to talk about um, that topic. Um, then October 6th, uh, Vicki Huffle will be at Whole Foods with Copperfields to do an author talk. 
more time for Q&A with uh, Vicki at that point. And then October 13th is our Teen Connect at New Tech High again, um, where it's just for teens. Um, we're giving them the space to be able to communicate, talk, discuss, ask questions. We have um, had a volunteer. Our group is core group is pretty small, and we know yeah. we can't. Um, we want to engage more people. Um, so we had a volunteer meeting a couple of weeks ago and put it out kind of rather late, and we had nearly 40 people show up. Our next one is tomorrow night, and um, through our Facebook page, it looks like there's going to be an even bigger group that's going to get involved. And the sense that we have is opening up this conversation. Uh, lots of people are responding with their concerns. We even had someone come from St. Helena because she, she needed some support for her uh, eighth grader. So our Facebook page is Village Napa. Easy to find. <laughs> all the information's on there as well as the Aldea website. Great. Well, I thank you all for coming in and uh, sharing all of this. Jenny Olson, Michelle Farhat, Linda Inlay, thank you so much. Thank Thanks. you, thank Jeff, you. for having us. Wine, food, talk. NapaBroadcasting.com.